Angela Addison. Well, let me say this as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we've got to be careful and make sure that in everything, man, we are trying to get as close to what the word says as possible. And we got to understand that with that type of wickedness, man, you know, God does not wink at that. There's judgment. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. And you don't have shades of truth. You have truth or you have error. You have fact or you have fiction. And now we go into the thick of it. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Erin Addison's. On American Family Radio, thank you so much for joining us. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And Sherry B. is over in Studio CC. Um, Again, one of those shows planned for you that we think that you'll appreciate. You know, we make a promise to you. We promise never to do shows that we don't care about. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Right? I mean, I don't want to waste people's time. I don't want to waste my time. I mean, you know, this will be an hour that we can't get back. So we want to only do the shows that, um, that are significant to us. Um, as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, where we are engaged, where we are looking at what's happening in the culture and uh, having tough conversations about, you know, some cultural issues and how we apply scripture, um, how we live with a biblical worldview. And so we're going to do that today. We're going to talk about women and talk about ministry and uh, also talk about why sex doesn't sell in uh, in America. And joining us to to discuss that in the second segment and third segment will be Felicia uh, Masonheimer who I've only recently become familiar with, mm-hmm. um, but I I already believe that she'll become like a cousin of mine. Okay. A cousin. Okay. Well, you know, because, because you know, telling the truth, right? Well, yeah. Um, yeah, <laughs> just because telling the truth. I mean, whenever I come across women who um, the Lord calls to ministry in addition to the ministry that is their families, that's their first ministry. That is your first ministry. And if the second ministry cannot be reconciled to the first, then the second ministry has to go. Mm. That's tough, right? But like that has to be the thing. Like you, you have, there are certain things that it's like, you know, you're, you go, um, well, I think that the Lord may be calling me to this, yeah. right? You think, I think that the Lord may have this for me to do and you're right. not sure. Right. And so you're seeking the Lord, you're reading through scripture and, and um, you know, you're sensing the Holy Spirit and so you you want to be sure sometimes the best sort of litmus test is to see what this secondary calling does to the primary calling. Hmm. And if the primary calling takes a hit or be, becomes deficient, right, mm-hmm. then probably the secondary calling um, is maybe not for right now. Right. Mm-hmm. Maybe not in the capacity that we're trying to do it um, or, you know. Or, or, or maybe just not, right? Sometimes it's like, maybe that's, maybe that's just not the thing. Yeah. But there's a big conversation right now happening around women and ministry and ministering in various capacities and things like that. And it's, it's interesting to me because I didn't realize that um, in some circles, some denominational circles, this is a really intense deal. You sent me, a, you sent me an email on the story right now Um, with the Southern Baptist Convention, and uh, I was reading that just moments before we came on the air, and I was thinking, wow, you know, I just, I don't know, and maybe we can unpack that a little bit later, but we're going to talk to Felicia Masonheimer, and we're going to talk about why women, um, women's ministries Mm -hmm. uh, need to stop telling Christian women that they're beautiful. What? Yeah. Okay. 
I'm with her. I'm telling you, she's okay, fast tracked to, to Cousinville. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm sick of it. I don't, I don't like, man, I, I, I want to start with another story, but here I am. I'm, I'm going to get going here. I don't like the downgrade that women's ministry has become. Not in every setting, not okay. in every setting. I don't want to paint with a broad brush here, but there is a downgrade that has come to women's ministry that is embarrassing to me. Hmm. We're going to get together and we're going to talk about our clothes and we're going to talk mm. about being able to lose the last of that baby weight and, mm. and ladies. And then we're going to talk about Uh-oh. how we're enough and how, you know, we're just, man, you need the word of God. Yeah. yeah. You need scripture applied to your life. Yeah. And so, you know, so often it's embarrassing to me as a woman that when men get together and discuss scripture, you know, they're getting theology, systematic theology, right? Mm. I mean, they're they're getting together and they, you know, three points and a few illustrations. You know what I mean? Nobody sits around with men and, and asks the question, so what does this mean to you? <laughs> How does this scripture speak to you? Mm. Right? But when it comes to women, mm-hmm. it's like, I, I don't know if the thought is women aren't sharp enough to be able to get these deep theological issues or, you know, discussions like if women just don't have that capacity or if it's that women don't want that. I never think that, by the way. Right. When I go into a setting, when I'm teaching women, I never go into the setting mm-hmm. thinking that women do not want to be taught the word of God. And historically, that's not even true. If you look Come through on. church history, like there were many right. women who, you know, taught other women who were, uh, you know, saturated in the word. So, I mean, yeah. So how did we get here? How do you, how do you think that we've, we've gotten here and it just seems to be normal in Christian culture today? Maybe it's that Americanism, you know, mixed with the Christian culture. I don't know. I don't know how, but I think, you know, whenever things blend like that it becomes commercial, commercialized, yeah. you know, yeah. and I think we're a victim of being commercialized in many aspects of, of the faith. Yeah. Some of it sometimes to me is uh, is and I said use this word already, but it's embarrassing that, you know, you you have people take scripture and they're so flippant and um, they they approach the word of God so lightly and, you know, use illustrations and paint pictures that you say there's no way that you should take that from the word. You know what I mean? There's Mm -hmm. no way that you should extrapolate that. There's no way that you should be pulling that out. Mm -hmm. And I think it's high time for women. And we're going to talk about this with Felicia when she's on with us. But um, it's, yeah. (laughs) I I read an article and I posted it. And um, and, and I already see that there are some of my sisters in the (laughs) Lord who are like, man, yeah, man. Okay. We see it. You know, women who, who absolutely want to grow in their knowledge of God, who absolutely want to live lives that are pleasing to him. You have been saved by the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, when you're in a place where you're like, man, I came expecting steak and Mm, I got cotton candy. You know what I mean? Like, you know, you leave and you're like, that's not right. You know? And and (laughs) anyway, there's just, there's just enough of that. I don't think, look, I'll say this and then I'll go to the other story that I want to talk about. I know, you know, all right. Um, This is why, there is a conversation about women teaching men, right? Mm, mm-hmm, because okay. in our minds, many women have downgraded the teaching of women mm. because of the fluff. Because of, mm. but who's okay. done that? Yeah. Women have done that to women. Yeah. That's not men doing that to women. I've never but, but that's been crazy. in a setting. But why? Like, why would, 
you know, it seemed like that would not make sense. It seemed like women teaching women, it would be like a game type stuff. Like they'll bring like the meat and every, you know, like why would it, I don't understand I don't, that. I don't know. Maybe don't that's a question know, but, for Felicia. I don't but know. I will say this. It's personally offensive. Yeah. It's personally offensive that women say I should be able to teach whoever I want. Right. But then given the opportunity to teach women, you just, you know, come with anecdotes and cute quotes. Hmm. Man, I, <laughs> come on, man. Maybe that's a belief in their mind that that's second tier. You know, that's not. You know, and and that attitude may even go towards children too. I'm not sure. I think know? it does. I think it, I think it does go toward children that they're not. Man, I tell you, my my mm. my deepest theological dives and studies, and Will, you can vouch for me mm-hmm. on this, are the, the, the types of studies that I engage in with our kids. Yeah. Like I'm not. Th- this is not a waste of time for me. This is. I mean, these are people who have professed Jesus Christ as their savior. Right. I'm discipling them. Right. I'm training them in the truth. So we're not going to sit around. And, you know, <laughs> anyway. All right. So yeah, anyway, so it. we're Felicia's. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. Well, you know, I talked to you about these things. I just <laughs> I just don't like it. I don't like it. You know, I don't I don't like the um, I don't like the downgrade that's come to women. Mm-hmm. I don't like the downgrade to ministry um, when 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 women are the focus. Mm-hmm. I think that that women need to be taught and trained in the word of God. The word of God needs to be applied to our situations. Yeah. Not memes. Yeah. I not agree. memes. You know what I'm saying? I not agree. gifs, not not the the types of things. I mean, <laughs> you know, and I'm I, I make jokes when I teach. Like I'm I you know I I I think that there's a place for humor, and we've talked about this before. But I mean, man, if you can't make a shift and really teach women the word of God, so that their their homes can be peaceful, so mm. that they can live for the glory of God, mm. man, you got to stop doing that at some point. Yeah, you know, you got to. It's it. There's more to being a woman following after the Lord Jesus, after the Lord Jesus Christ, than just your outfits and your hair and your nails. Mm. And in America, man, we have made that. That's it. That's what sells in women's ministry. So if you want a winning ticket, if you want a winning ticket for a popular women's speaker, there's a certain look. Mm. There's a certain delivery. There's a certain style. And guys, you know what I'm talking about. And it doesn't have to be a whole lot of substance. It just has to be stage presence, man. Wow. Jesus Christ is worth more than that. Amen. You know what I mean? Amen. He's worth more than that. And so anyway, I guess uh, Felicia and I will get on our high horse and, you know, yeah, get knocked down by some, some people. Popcorn. But we'll we'll t- <laughs> going on. Y'all sound like y'all just going, you know. No, we'll include you. you know, <laughs> no, I'm just we'll, we'll include you. But anyway, we'll talk a little bit more about that uh, coming up. I did want to talk about this is sad, and I'll give a little disclaimer here. You know, this is a very disturbing story, mm-hmm. and um, so if you're you know listening with little ones, and you know, just probably occupy them somewhere else. But yesterday in our country, two thousand four hundred eleven aborted babies were buried and memorialized. Um, you'll remember after their bodies. Their remains were discovered at Ulrich Klopfer's home um, by his family members. Mm. So the remains of 2,411 aborted babies were laid to rest at an Indiana cemetery yesterday after being discovered again by this late abortionist family members last September. Um, Identifying these babies. Yeah. That is home. And... So so in his in his basement Mm -hmm. and then also in his car, 
So according to the information, people who will remember this story from late last year will remember that initially authorities found 2,246 abortion um, remains in the garage, the garage of uh, Klopfer's Illinois home. And then as they continued searching, um, they later found, um, what was it, like some 100 something in addition Mm -hmm. to that. In the wow. trunk of his car. Wow. In the trunk of his car. Um, it just, 165, 165 babies um, in the trunk of his car. And um, it seems Man. that these babies had been aborted um, between 2000 and 2003. And he was just storing them, um, you know, in bags and things like that. And, and so anyway, there was one quote yes. that I wanted to read from a pastor in South Bend, Um, Indiana, who was at the service yesterday, a man by the name of Mario Sims. And this is what he said. And and I thought it was so appropriate. You know, we, we, anyway, he said, um, we are witnesses today of an American Holocaust, 2,411 children's lives that were given by God were snuffed out by the will of man. We as followers of Jesus Christ must stand strong. We must speak out. We must not be silenced. We must not be shouted down. We must not be told that we are politically incorrect. He said these children's lives were taken after God gave them. This must stop. Mm. He went on to say, as a pastor, I have never done a funeral for 2,411 human beings But that is what we are doing here today. This is not a choice. This is murder. Mm. And I'm telling you, you know, and and I I didn't want us to um, overlook that story or neglect talking about it because this is just a stark picture. It's a picture that you can't turn away from that reminds us of what is taking place every single day in our country. This is what we are doing. I mean, and if... And if the words that the Lord spoke to Cain are true, and we know that they are, that the blood of his brother cried out to God from the ground, it cried out to God from the earth. Just imagine the blood of innocence that cry out to God from American soil. Think about what we are doing in this country. Yeah. Man. All right. Anyway, um, wow. we're going to grab this break and we'll come back and get into the thick of it. Our conversation with Felicia Masonheimer. This is Erin the Addisons on American Family Radio. We'll be right back. on American Family Radio. We appreciate you carving out some time to um, listen to us talk about the issues of the day. 
through um, an unapologetic, unapologetic biblical mm-hmm. worldview. I should probably say unapologetically biblical worldview, but you guys know what I mean, right? You know, I'm I know what you mean. <laughs> and I'm, I'm Will <laughs> for King and Country. God only knows. Sherry B is over in Studio CC, and she's gotten our guest on Felicia Mason Weaver and uh, Mason Mason Weaver. Mason Weaver. Oh my, that's a that's a man's name. I know who that is. You know who that is. Yeah. That's that's just my brain going on <laughs> autopilot. <laughs> Her last that's name funny. is Masonheimer. Yes. Mason Weaver is actually a person's name. Yes. It's actually we two names. It's not. <laughs> that's all Felicia, right. They don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> Sorry. How are you doing, Felicia? Good. How are you? I'm doing well. I was doing better before what I just said. So sorry <laughs> about okay. that. It's okay. It's okay. I didn't choose this name. It chose me. And I'm glory to God. Glory to God. That is a, a very beautiful thing. Um, how many kids do you have, Felicia? I have two. Okay. And what are their ages? They're four and two. Okay, great. So if I make any more mistakes, I will just trust that I'm in safe company. You know what it's like to be a mom (laughs) and to have those moments where your wires cross and it's okay. (laughs) No? Okay. She's like, yeah, no, be professional. All right, here we go. No, I absolutely, absolutely understand. All right, let me me formally introduce you. Felicia Masonheimer teaches Christian women how to apply faith to the realities of life. She is a blogger, podcast host, and speaker. Her writing focuses on overcoming sin. Yes. Amen. And difficulty by the power of a maturing personal relationship with God. She lives in northern Michigan with her husband and children. And we're going to talk more about how you can connect with her and read some more of her writings. Uh, Felicia, thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. So let's start with kind of the more recent news. And and I wasn't familiar with the work that you're doing, but boy, I got to tell you, as I started perusing your website and reading some of your articles, um, I was like, oh, man, I, I feel like we're fast going to be cousins here because <laughs> there are not, not very many Christian women who are willing or able, honestly, to tackle what it is that you're tackling. So I was uh, someone brought you to my attention and said, hey, you, you might want to talk to her. And they were absolutely right. So before we talk about some of the older stuff that you've written that I think is still relevant today, let's talk about the recent um, Super Bowl halftime show and your response to that. Um, you say that sex doesn't sell in America, and there's a reason for that. Yeah, so what we saw at the halftime show, I think, is a reflection of um, what our media, what our our culture generally thinks is going to appeal. Um, and it's creating a show that is meant to present empowerment. It's slightly sexual and that that is supposed to be empowering to women. And that was some of what we saw online. I mean, I think we all saw the different arguments that were flying around the mm-hmm. internet. Um, it's saying that this is an empowering. And if you have a problem with it, then you have a problem with empowering women. But for Christians, when we are looking at something like that, we're coming from a different view of sexuality, and it actually goes back to the sanctity of life. So for us, when you hear the word sanctity of life or the phrase, I think we think abortion, but it actually connects to every single part of how we live. If we believe that life has value, that it has sanctity, that it has dignity, that also applies to sexuality. And so we can say, you know, well, here, sex sells. Well, it might sell to some people, but not with people who believe in the sanctity of life, who believe mm. that J-Lo and Shakira 
have an innate dignity as image bearers of God and that it's our job to actually honor them regardless of whether they honor themselves. Mm -hmm. Man, you know, that's that's so well put. There were Christian women, as I'm sure you're aware, um, there are Christian women who were defending this performance and saying that it wasn't as sexual as some of us made it out to be there. Mm. You know, there were people who who suggested that. And there were Christian men, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, you're right, what? Christian men as well, who um, thought that we are just, I guess, too old and curmudgeon to understand entertainment and to understand culture. I heard that argument a lot. This is just a cultural thing that we have to get over. Um, some people suggested that women don't wear as much as these women were wearing when they go to the beach. Uh, there was another argument that I read, um, you know, kind of looking at Christian moms who put their kids in beauty pageants and say, you know, hey, your kids don't wear as much in their beauty pageants or their dance recitals as these women were wearing on the stage during the halftime show. What's your response to that, Felicia? So those are all arguments that I have seen and studied in the last week and a half when Mm -hmm. I was thinking through the Super Bowl halftime show myself. And there's a couple of really good answers for all of these. So first, the cultural question. I did a lot of research and talking with Latina friends of mine and followers in my audience about this and confirmed that, yes, there were elements that were for sure representative of Latin, Lebanese, and African culture, specifically the instruments, the music, and some of the dance moves. But there's no evidence that Shakira's rope dance was Come on. cultural. There's no evidence right. that their outfits were cultural. There's no evidence that her laying on the stage on her back singing about sex was cultural. <laughs> right. So... Right. right there you have, you know, we can't, we have to be honest with ourselves about what was actually cultural and what mm. was, you know, pagan cultural. And that's a harsh word, but, you know, the representative of our, our society's view of sex. And the second mm-hmm. thing is, when we're talking about what people are wearing, um, that's a touchy subject. We do have to remember, these are people who don't claim to be Christian. So you can't mm-hmm. apply a church standard to unsafe people. Mm. But... There's a difference between the Olympics and how someone is moving and using their body while wearing certain items. And pretty sure, you know, let's be honest, we aren't going to see people flashing their crotches intentionally at an audience at the Olympics. You know, that there's a difference between Mm -hmm. those two things. Um, And so really for Christians today, the issue is desensitization. Mm -hmm. We're consuming so much media that has desensitized us to the sanctity and value of sex that we don't know how to honor it. And secondly, discernment. We don't know how to discern when we see these things, and we think the option is only being approved or endorsement, and that's that's a false choice. Those aren't our Mm -hmm. only two options. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm wondering what it is about and, and let me let me look at women specifically. I'm wondering what it is about Christian female character that allows us or almost causes us to search for a justification. Um, it seems that the question is not how far away from the line of sin can we be, but it seems to be, you know, what is the closest measurement that we can have, right? And still be approved of by God, still be able to say, Hey, I'm a Christian. I love God just like you. Um, but I just don't see what you've seen. What is it that has caused us to always be kind of looking for a way to push the mark? Well, it's it's reshaping it's reshaping Jesus. It's really what it comes down to. When you um, follow Jesus for your own convenience, 
or you're following a Jesus made in your image, which a lot of people today who call themselves Christians are doing, mm-hmm. they're forming an idea of Jesus completely devoid of any reference to the Bible itself. So they really don't have a measure for, is this actually true about Jesus? They just think, this is, this is who he is, he approves of me, he likes me, and he does love them. But he also has like a tangible character that's historical, and we mm-hmm. can reference it. And mm-hmm. so when we abandon that, then we don't have any measure for what morality is. We don't have any measure for what his expectation actually is for how we live, and we can just really make it up and tread the line. You know, and I think, honestly, when and we're going to touch on this, Felicia, because there's a long list of things that we can talk about as it pertains to women and women's ministries. And I'm so glad that you're tackling some of these uh, uncomfortable topics. But I think that when you pump women, Christian women in particular, that's what I'm focused on here. But I think when you pump Mm -hmm. Christian women with topics and book titles that suggest, you know, quote, you got it going on or you need to work it for Jesus or get your sexy sexy back in 30 days. And these are the types of messages that Christian women are hearing. I think this leads or increases this lack of discernment that you're talking about. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it really comes back to a woman's desire to be beautiful and desirable. I don't think that we can say that's wrong. I think that truly is designed by God, but it's also fulfilled by God. And what Mm. we've done is we've Christianized worldly messages. We've like put a Jesus sticker Mm. on it. And then we wonder why it's not fulfilling us and why the Christian life is so hard or so vague or so empty. And it's because we're not actually living it. We're living in imitation. Yeah, I think the preference here, to to your point, I think the preference is that we almost crave this experience with God and and thereby say we know him because of this experience. But what we desperately need to be taught is that God can be objectively known, that he has revealed himself to his Mm -hmm. creation. He has told us how he is to be known, but that's not appealing to us these days. Yeah, yeah, it's not because because it's outside of our control and mm-hmm. and it's challenging to ourselves it means that we might have to change there mm-hmm. might be something in us that's ugly and gets exposed but the beautiful thing is the hope of the gospel is that yes you do have to change yes you are flawed but he made a way for you to be rescued to be to be taken out of that and so obviously he can't be all judgment and no love because he wouldn't have made that way if he didn't love us So let's make a shift here and let's talk about um, your tackling the need (laughs) for women's ministry teachers and uh, women's ministry groups to stop calling Christian women beautiful. (laughs) Um, That is such a provocative approach to it, right? But I think it's an accurate one. I really do. And and I'm so glad that we're going to be able to have this conversation. Tell me what it is that you have observed that is um, deficient in, in, you know, our Bible study circles as it pertains to women. And then, Felicia, tell me why it needs to stop. So I realize that that statement, stop calling me beautiful, is a little shocking because that (laughs) is what a lot of women want to hear. There are hundreds of books marketed to us using this very concept. Um, But here is the problem. If it was working, why would we still need to hear it? 
Why would we need to have this packaged message about beauty and identity, you know, given to us over and over and over again, if it was leading to an actual powerful Christian life? Mm. Reality is that it is part of the gospel, that we are beautiful daughters of the King, that we have an identity in Christ. I'm not denying that at all. It's scriptural. However, many women's ministries, Bible studies, fail to tell the full story, so they don't tell us where did that beauty come from, who had to die for us to have that, and then what do we do with it? So my call is let's stop settling for messages about beauty and identity and have the complete message. So stop calling us beautiful unless you can tell the whole story. Mm-hmm. Um, in a 2017 post that you wrote um, by a similar title, and I'm, I'm imagining that this is kind of where your wheel started really turning on this and um, probably a response to this post because there are so many Christian women who've had enough of the cotton candy. There are so many Christian women who are just like, you know, I'm tired of showing up for Bible study and we sit around in a circle and we drink coffee and then we just talk about what this passage means to us. Like we're sick of it, you know, this sort of downgrading of the word of God. But I want to quote um, one of the blog posts that you wrote a few years ago. And this is what you said. The truth is that apart from the transforming power of Christ, I'm not beautiful, special, or all that unique. I'm born into sin and bent to rebellion. My insecurities and fears pulse through Adam's blood in my veins. Mm. These can't be rooted out with shallow encouragement. What I need, what every woman needs is a soul deep solution to the problem of sin. Insecurity is not the problem. Fear, poor self image, marriage problems. These are just symptoms of the real disease. The disease is sin and we all have it. Mm. Felicia, why aren't wow. we getting that message today? Because it's uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because it doesn't sell. <laughs> yes. It's, it's uncomfortable oh, to hear that. Even when you're reading it back to me, I'm like, man, that's hard for me to hear. Because <laughs> I'm I'm walking this out every day with the Lord myself. And he Amen. exposes, you know, you don't, how are you talking to your husband, Felicia? How are you leading your kids? Are you handling your relationships well? No, look, there's evidence of sin in your life, but he loves me enough to walk with me and help grow that out of me. The problem is that when we don't talk about sin with our women in the church and in the world, we don't help them understand the cause of all those symptoms, all those difficulties. And until we identify that root cause, we can't actually do anything about it. We'll just be mm-hmm. playing whack-a-mole, really, with all of the all of the symptoms. You know, one of the other things that you said in this post, and um, and and I I think when we take a step back and we look at the I guess the cult of celebrity, if I could just say it that way, that exists in Christian circles. We're always looking for. Yes the biggest blogger, the person who has the largest amount of followers and, and, you know, the cutest shoes, I don't know, and the greatest hair (laughs) and uh, can really pack out an auditorium. And I hate that these things are true, but Felicia, they are true. And really it should be an embarrassment to the Christian community. It should be an embarrassment to women. And one of the things that you wrote in your, in your blog from a few years back, you said, when you create a culture that uses Jesus for little more than a spiritual feel good, it's no wonder the women it produces can't get victory over anxiety, anger, insecurity, or fear. They leave our churches knowing all about themselves 
and knowing little about Christ, we have a problem. Yeah, we do. And the beautiful thing is, I think we can turn it around with one by one women who begin to take the Bible seriously and say, Mm -hmm. whoa, like, this is what I have been falling for. I have been falling for this idea that the Bible is a manual or a self-help book, and it just makes me a better person, and that it isn't a way to know God. And they start to really own their walk with the Lord, grow in their literacy of the Bible, and and start to take their faith seriously. I think that's going to change our churches one by one because it's changing women one by one. Amen. Amen. When we get back, I want to talk about some of the problematic messages that are being conveyed to women. And then I want to talk about what are some of the personal resources that you use in robust, deep theological Bible study. Felicia Masonheimer is our guest. This is Aaron the Addisons on American Family Radio. We'll be right back. Family Radio, at this point, you already know our style of radio. I mean, we just, right? Yeah. We just we just talk about it. Yeah. No one else is going to talk about it. We're going to talk about it. You may as well, right? I'm so just, you know, sitting back and enjoying the conversation here. Well, that's what makes you great. You, you allow me <laughs> no, to have good. these conversations about women and women in ministry, and I appreciate it, Will the Great. Thank well, you so much. You know. Welcome back to the program. I'm Miki. <laughs> and I'm Will, and that's Phil Wickham, <laughs> Till I Found You. Our guest is my cousin from Michigan, Felicia Masonheimer. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> whenever you get cousin status, Felicia, it just I feel like, you know, there's there is such a commonality that is is dear to me because I feel like in the body of Christ, if we are all reading the same text and the one Holy Spirit lives in us. Right. Man, there should be some similarities. <laughs> like there, mm, we, At some point yeah. we should. We should be saying the same things. Yeah. And, you know, as it is, in many cases, we aren't. So anyway, it's great to run across women who love the Lord and um, and are reading the Bible for all it's worth. So uh, le- before we went to the break, I wanted to talk about some of the problematic messages. Um, if you could kind of like sum them up, maybe you want to give us like your top three. What are some of the messages that women are getting today when they leave conferences or small group settings that... Um, that need to stop? (laughs) Well, I think one of them is you're worthy just the way you are. Mm -hmm. And at face value, it sounds really good. And I think some people listening might actually bristle a little bit to hear me say there's something wrong with that because we do want to know that we're worthy and we need worth. Now we have an innate value as image bearers of God, but to say that you're worthy indicates that you're worthy before God just on your own merit, Come that on. nothing needs to change, that there's no, there's no sin in you, really, that, there's, that, that you're good enough all on your own. And so when we're using that terminology, I don't think we necessarily need to get rid of the whole narrative, but we need to be very clear about what we're saying. We are worthy in Christ because of what Christ did for us. 
because he imputed his righteousness on us. We have this worth before God, this value. And we had worth to him because he died to give us that righteousness. So there's definitely innate worth and then this imputed worth. But we can't just say you're worthy just on your own, you know, (laughs) without, without Jesus, because that's to lie to people and say that we don't need a Savior. So that would be one of them. Um, mm-hmm. The other one that comes up, you actually mentioned, Nikki, you mentioned this idea that the Bible is something that we come to and we just decide what we feel about it. So this isn't necessarily a message so much mm-hmm. as a phrase that's often said, well, how I feel, what I feel that this <laughs> passage is saying. Come on! And <laughs> when people, sometimes people message me and they say, what do you think this passage is saying? And I always answer, it does not matter what I think a passage yes! saying. What matters oh, is what the passage says. Yeah. Come on. Not how we feel about it, not what we think about it. It's what it says. Felicia, I tell this I tell this to my kids, okay? So I we educate our kids at home, and so I'm teaching them in the morning. We start off our day, 7 a.m. That's when we start theology. We start Bible study, right? So we're looking at times and places, names and faces. We are studying the Word of God. And so I tell, you know, listen— I don't care what you think this passage means. And, and they can handle it. The oldest is 13. I mean, they can handle it. They're going to learn their mom, right? But if we can understand this, if we can get this, you know, at the, the earliest point of accountability, that the word is not up for your debate. It's not up for how it makes you feel or whether you think that you can do something with that. You know what I mean? You right. ever hear people teach the word and they go, and I can do something with that. Wait, what? <laughs> what, what? What do you mean? What, what is that? I don't know. Anyway, but go ahead. Okay, so this, this subjective approach to the Word of God, and, and what else? What yeah. else is it that we're getting? Well, we also have the, you're, beautiful, you're a beautiful daughter of the King, which we mentioned earlier. Now, again, this is truth based on Scripture. We are beautiful daughters of the King. He is and a wonderful God who adopts us, and sons, sons of the King. The problem is when we share this quotable little meme or graphic that says this, but gives no context for what happened to make that available. Mm -hmm. We need to understand that the beauty of being his daughter had an incredible cost that we never could have paid. But he paid it for us. So when we ignore that part of the story, that part of the gospel, we actually cheapen God's grace and we cheapen the very beauty that we want to talk about. Mm, That is so good. I don't know. I don't know why we shy away from that. You know, this miracle of our conversion and understanding Mm -hmm. what has been, you know, appropriated for us, you know, what we have appropriated because of what Jesus Christ has done, I should say, man, I mean, I just don't know why we would want to make that take a back seat, you know, to everything else that we talk about. It's almost as if the facts of our faith are very uncomfortable for us, Mm -hmm. but the fluff, all of that stuff, we seem to just naturally want to hang out there. Yeah. Yeah. I think we do. And, and it is a discomfort that is a part of it. Um, I think we've also gotten into a habit as a church of thinking that to reach the world, we have to become like the world. Oh, come we on. have to water down what we're saying. We have to change what we're saying, what the gospel is in order to appeal to people. But the gospel appeals to people who need it. Mm. It doesn't have to be changed. And oh, when man. you preach 
a straight gospel, complete gospel, there will be people who say, you're crazy, that's awful, I can't stand it, and they'll walk away. But there will be people who stay because they see the value of it. Mm. Oh, man. Mm. Now, look. Felicia, you, and I should have probably told you before, I'm a loud listener, so I am totally engaged with you, but I just, when, when I love the, it. you know, I'm just, l- let me just say this. So, so the gospel appeals to people who need it and we are creating generations of people who do not believe they need it. It mm. is sort of like, you know, well, do yeah. you want to have tinted windows? We don't know. I mean, <laughs> do you want extra cup holders? We don't know. You know what I mean? This is the t- this is the type of gospel that people are getting that Jesus is your boyfriend. He's just, you know, and and he's there for you whatever it is that you want, he's okay with, and you should probably just give him a try because you might have a better life with him. And it's a shame because if the, if the acceptance of the gospel depends on our seeing our desperate need for a savior and we keep that very thing yeah. away from people, there is no wonder why the church is not advancing or exploding the way that it should be exploding. I absolutely agree. That's so well put. It, and I love the example of the customizing the car because that's really what it is. Oh, what would you like? In <laughs> what kind of Christian salad would you like? Would you like tomatoes? Right. Would you like cucumbers? Right. Like we're customizing it like it's, you know, Chipotle. And that's not <laughs> how it works. Oh, man. There is, there is a beauty in the simplicity of the gospel. And, you know, I always say, um, I'm so grateful for people who were willing to offend me in my life and to tell me the truth about what my sin demands, what the payment, the penalty for my sin is, but that there is one who has paid that penalty for me and that my faith in him secures for me eternal salvation. I now take on his righteousness. We can't give people anything less than that. And and we do them a disservice. And I would say, and I want to get your take on this, Felicia, and I want to make sure I leave time for you to talk about um, your website and other resources that you would point women to. But I want to get your take on this. When we have this moment and and we're having a conversation about women teaching men and, you know, women feeling like they're not being validated in the church, do, do you see it as an offensive downgrade that there is sort of this looking down your nose at women? Like I'm not doing anything unless I'm teaching men that women are not worthy of my time and my investment and this is also reflected in the type of. Go ahead. Hello. Yeah, go ahead, Miki. Oh, did did I? Oh, did I not? Did I drop out? Okay. Yeah, the last part. So so my question was in this time that we're having this conversation about women and almost sort of like this, you know, this devaluing of women. But also there is there is, you know, I, I would say rampant feminism in the church. But there is a, um, I would say, a devaluing of women in that we're only bringing them fluff, I think is the ultimate point that I'm trying to make. Um, There are some women who feel like they haven't done anything for the Lord unless they have taught men. And that's a conversation that's going on. Maybe you are aware of it. Maybe you've seen it. I I don't know. But I guess my, my question is, what does it say about women if we feel like women are not worthy to be taught sound doctrine? That's a really good question and point that you bring up, that we do have this argument over whether women can teach men in the Church today, which is a whole conversation for another day, but (laughs) we have a whole group of people who need discipling who are being largely ignored or not Mm -hmm. being led. 
And so if we truly want to be faithful to do what God's called us to do, we need to start with the ones that need it. And I have heard the argument that to teach beyond a pink fluff theology is to teach over the head of young and new believers. And what I say is, people rise to the expectation you give them. Mm. Yes. See this with That's children, That's good. so yes. much yep. less with adults. Yep. That's if right. You, if you teach at the level you know they can rise to, and I'm not saying use words they don't understand, mm-hmm. but, right. but teach the deep concepts in simple, understandable terms. Mm-hmm. You don't have to actually water down the concepts. You don't have to change that. You shouldn't. But you can teach women deep stuff, the truth of Scripture, in a way they can understand and apply and that's what we should be doing. I think this idea that women don't need robust theology because they will never be a pastor in most contexts is silly. Because if we look at Scripture, I believe it's in I believe it's in Corinthians, but I could be wrong. Paul says to the husbands, who at that time were the theologically educated ones in the family, mm-hmm. to teach their wives theology at home. It was a priority in the Mm -hmm. early church, that the women be educated theologically. And so it Mm -hmm. should be a priority in our churches today. Mm. Yeah, and and I'm going to say I think that it's intellectually offensive to say that this is something that is over a woman's head or to say, well, you know, you're never going to really use it for any type of public display, so why do you need to know it? This is our faith. This is this is what we have been called to. Why would we not want to search it out and dive deeply into these things that we say this is our life, but we should only know surface level things about it? I mean, I just I I find it intellectually offensive. Let me let me end with this, Felicia. Um, Resources that women can use to aid them in greater depth of study of the word of God. I saw on your website, um, like our family, you are a Bible Project fan. Our kids are like Bible Project nerds. Like, that's how we pass time. They're like, man, can we stream some Bible Project episodes? Um, What else do you you recommend? There is a book called Women of the Word by Jen Wilkins that I recommend to anybody starting out with studying the Bible. It's really thin and small, easy to implement, and it will get any woman, whether she's recommitting or new believer or has been a Christian her whole life, to study the Bible for itself. So Women of the Word by Jen Wilkins. Obviously, the Bible Project is great. I have a free Bible study jumpstart course on my website. And then I also recommend the app, Blue Letter Bible. Mm -hmm. Really easy to use and free for studying different words. And Bible Gateway has commentaries and things like that that can help you go deeper as well. Felicia, tell us your website so that our listeners can connect with you and read some more of your articles. So my website is FeliciaMasonheimer.com. My first name is spelled a little different. It's P-H-Y-L-I-C-I-A, Felicia Masonheimer. And I'm on Instagram and Facebook with my same name, Felicia Masonheimer. H-E-I-M-E-R-M-A-S-O-N-H-E-I-M-E-R, FeliciaMasonheimer.com. You're going to want to go and check that out and check out some of the resources there. Felicia, are you also available to come and speak to women's groups and paint nails? Just kidding. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) That was so awful. (laughs) Anyways, nope. It's just a little bit of flies in the oil there. Uh, Just a moment of that. But, But no, do you do also travel and speak to women's groups? 
I do in limited, okay. unlimited amounts, mainly in the Midwest because my kids are so young. Yes. Mm-hmm. No. Wonderful. Again, that's because that's your first ministry. That is the ministry yeah. without question that God has given to you first. And I love it. Felicia, thank you so much for carving out this time to hang out with me and Will the Great. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. It was fun. All right. God bless you and your family. Um, Will the Great. Mm-hmm. Man, the task in front. <laughs> okay, let me just get some what your thoughts. No, it was a great conversation. I think, yeah. you know, it was spot on. You know, the things that was, was discussed, I, I, I saw with someone uh, chimed in on our Erin Addison's page and said, okay. about time somebody's talking about this. So and it was it was a lady, you know. So Good. I think it resonated with people out there and conversation that needed to be had. Let me say this. I say this um, in many different capacities, and I, I will keep saying this. We need to stop having a conversation about whether or not women can teach men, and we need to value women being taught by women that that's not second-class citizenship in the body of Christ. There is something sorely wrong. Man, there is something sorely wrong with that, that you think that women are beneath theological exploration. Like, I I just have a huge problem with that. So, anyway, grateful for this conversation. We're out of time for today. Until tomorrow, Lord willing. God bless.